Hey, welcome to our Wednesday night service. Welcome to our Wednesday night service. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna, and she's waving. There's the Queen's wave. We are the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com. We uh, invite you to visit our site, you know, sign up for our newsletter, and also check out the other things that are available there. There's so many different things that we have the privilege of doing, one of which is coming live to you on social media on Wednesday nights. Last week, we had the privilege of speaking on dreams and visions. And before we get any further, we have a live audience here. Say hello, everybody. (laughs) So uh, last week, we had the privilege of speaking on dreams and visions. And there is a book online. You can get it on Amazon, Dreams and Visions, David Herobedian, or go to our website, virtualchurchmedia.com on the store link there. And God is pouring out of his spirit on all flesh in the last days. The prophet Joel in the Old Testament, Joel chapter two, verses 28 through really 30, he's talking about dreams and visions and prophecy. And it was fulfilled in Acts chapter two. Thousands of years later, what happened is on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, there came in Acts chapter two, verses one through four, what appeared to be cloven tongues as of fire and it separated this fire of heaven was pouring out there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind this is where pentecost actually happened 50 days after jesus's crucifixion came pentecost and jesus says wait here tarry here until the holy spirit empowerment comes don't go do anything don't go out and try to do anything without the power of the holy spirit Wait. Those that wait upon the Lord, he renews their strength. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And when you have that Holy Ghost power, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with dunamis power. For this cause was the Son of God revealed or made manifest or sent, 1 John 3, 8, that he might destroy, utterly annihilate the works of the devil. The thief only comes to steal and to kill and destroy. The thief is the devil and his agents and life's circumstances that come to try to beat us up, beat us down, oppress us, suppress us, and eventually, if we're not careful, possess us, The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ came to give life and to give it more abundantly. Today, are you a life giver or a life taker? Are you one that releases the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the meekness, the temperance, the patience, the fruit of the spirit? Do you look down upon people and judge them with a religious point and a finger and all they see is your nose looking down? Are you one that only looks down upon one with life when you're picking one up to dust them off and put them back on solid ground and to hug them and to love them. Somebody loved you just the way you were, but they loved you way too much to leave you in your condition. While we were yet still sinners, Jesus died for us. He was hung up for our hangups and he paid the price on the tree for you and for me. As we get into part two of Dreams and Visions, if you go last week on either YouTube or SoundCloud or Facebook Live or wherever we have you know, some sort of thing hosted. You can go back and see part one on Dreams and Visions. We're gonna do a brief recap, but I wanna get in tonight to interpreting dreams and visions because a, a dream or a vision without an interpretation or an application is only half-baked. You can't eat a half-baked pie. It doesn't taste right. It's not enough. You have to have, you, you might have half a combination, but you need the full combination to unlock the door to get into the treasure house. And so today we're gonna to talk about signs and symbols, dreams and interpretation. We're gonna do a brief recap just on the seven primary purposes of why God gives dreams and visions. But if you haven't heard part one, I really encourage you to read or listen to part one. It was a powerful, fun teaching last night. There was a lot of uh, or last week, it was a lot of storytelling, real life examples of how God uses uh, dreams and visions. What, what do you do when God gives you a dream? 
First, we should earnestly expect God to speak to us in dreams and visions, just as he promises. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. And remember, I talked about Acts chapter 2 early on when the day of Pentecost had fully come. There was tongues of fire rested upon. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues and people heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own language. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the word. He'll never say anything negative about Jesus. It's easy to test the spirits. One day there was a guy that had was coming out of Satanism. I was a young believer. It's a funny story. I was in prison and led this guy to uh, salvation. And sometimes when people get born again, they don't get fully delivered from everything. I mean, you might have, right? You might have gotten delivered from everything instantly. And we get born again instantly, and our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, you know, and we're seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion in Him. But then we have to live out our existence on the earth. So we're like dual citizens, citizens of heaven, but a citizen of Ephesus. And so sometimes, you know, we get born again, our spirit man's born again, we become a third perfect. It's the other two thirds, the soul and the body God is still working on. And so if you see somebody, always remember, remember, regardless of what they're doing, if they're born again, they're a third perfect. God's just working out that salvation. So, so I, I, I was led this guy into the Lord, and this might, you know, jar your theology, and, and guess what, you know, good, I'm glad it does, it, it ought to jar your theology, I've got a book called Dreams, or Dealing with Demons, read that one, then get back with me, and, uh, you know, if, uh, if you have a voice into my life because you care about me, because you've had hundreds of hours in prayer, email me and correct me, but until then, listen or go to a different ministry, <laughs> you know, I have people that speak into my life that care, and so this guy start speaking in other tongues, but it didn't sound right in my spirit. It wasn't the audible sound of it. It was a frequency on it. And I said these words, and this guy had come out of Satanism. He'd been molested at a young age. You know, I won't even go into the, the sordid details of bestiality and all the other things. He'd been a male prostitute, drug addiction, Satanism, operated in false gifts. And, and um, anyway, the good news is eventually he came out of everything and he got fully delivered, healed of AIDS. Yeah, he was marvelously healed of AIDS and, uh, you know, went on and became, you know, we're just really a tremendous backside of the story on the long-term journey. But as he starts speaking in tongues, I'm like, something's not right. And so I said these words. I said, you spirit speaking out of John in tongues i command you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom i serve jesus christ of nazareth who came in the flesh to tell me what spirit you're speaking by and he went from speaking in tongues and these are the words that came out of his mouth and he's like he's a child of mine he'll always be a child of mine he's a son of satan i'm like silence in the name of jesus it was kind of funny the chaplain was with me and when he got baptized in the holy ghost at least it seemed like he'd been baptized in the Holy Ghost, but it was a false spirit of tongues. And so the chaplain was like, wow, you got, and I'm like, nah, something's not right. And when I did that, the chaplain's like, and we had a bunch of weird manifestations right before that happened. It was, it was kind of interesting. And so that chaplain, I became good friends. He actually endorsed my book, uh, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom, later on. But through those, uh, those trying times, and this guy used to literally, the demons, I would preach to him when he was a Satanist, before he ended up getting you know, born again, gave his life to Jesus. And he would come and he would love to hear the gospel, but then I could hear the demons speaking to him. And they hated me, you know, because we're in a battle over a soul, you know. And, and so I would hear what the demons were saying to him and I would tell him, this is what the demon just said to you. And he'd like freak out because he operated in, in, in demonic spiritual gifts, false spiritual gifts and, uh, you know, false prophecy and this and that. And so... Uh, so he would go back to his prison cell and the demons would torment him for having exposed me to them and this battle. And so then they would have him do an incantation and send his demons out to attack me. So then I'd have to deal with the demons. You know, you know so, listen, if, if you're anointed, you're going to drive things to the surface because the anointing is God on flesh doing only what God can do. The anointing is like a different type of uh, magnet. Have you ever had two magnets that 
you know, you click them together, they, they pop together, and then you flip them the other way, they actually repel each other. When the anointing's present and you run into a demon, you'll feel a stronger anointing will come on in your hand or whatever, and it will repel that which is there until that demon is driven out. Like when I pray for the sick and specifically in deaf ears when I run into a demon, and not every deaf ear is a demon. About 25% of the, the healings that happen deal with an evil spirit. The others are you know, physical ailments, this and that. So I'll run into a demon of deafness, and as I do, there will be an anointing that will come on my ears, I'm on my fingers in their ears and I'll feel that thing repelling like two magnets and the anointing will increase because as the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him and drives that thing out. And so uh, if you've never experienced that, you know, get baptized in the Holy Spirit or pray in tongues until, you know, go on a seven day fast, a 21 day fast, a 40 day fast, do whatever you want with the Lord that he leads you to and you'll come out of that fast and that time with the anointing. And uh, when you have the anointing on your life, you'll experience things that will jar your theology and then you'll run into people that'll be like, oh, I don't really believe that. Well, you don't have to. I'm, I mean, I've experienced it, it's in the scriptures. So God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. If you're in proximity and relationship with Jesus, signs and wonders are automatic to happen in your life. You can't help it when you're in proximity with him. Because wherever Jesus went, there were signs and wonders. If you're carrying Jesus in that manifest presence, you're going to have it too. Peter Shadow healed the sick. Uh, Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. Peter Shadow healed the sick. Acts chapter 5, verse uh, 15 through 17. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. Stephen was not an apostle. He was raised up as a believer. Then he went to a disciple. Then he you know, weighed in on tables, then he was raised up as an evangelist, and then signs and wonders, you know, flowed from his fingertips until they finally stoned him to death because of the signs and wonders. So don't think just because you've got the power and the signs and wonders, it's not going to create opposition because you're going to drive things to the surface with the anointing. The anointing in you will annoy people with demons. The anointing in you will annoy those that have demons. But at the same time, it shouldn't be your personality that annoys them. Right? It shouldn't be your religious spirit trying to brow, browbeat them with the scriptures. It should be the love of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that annoys them. I had one guy, he, was, uh, he, would, he would astral project into my cell to try. He was in a thing called the art, which is you know, a different type of name for you know, Satanism, I guess. And, uh, and so I would sit up on the bed. The Holy Spirit would wake me up, you know, 2.33 in the morning. I'd be on the bed and he'd come through the door, astral project in. Oh, by the way, if this, I, ask the Lord if these things are true. And you know what? I pray that if you're having difficulty with this, that God makes you a prophet so you can experience them. How about that? Receive it. Visit them, Lord, in dreams and visions when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds. May you open their ears and seal their instructions and teach them unsearchable truths. Give them divine appointments and revelation of what's going to happen that next day and as they walk in their journey in the highways and the byways of life and they go into work and they're on the road that those things begin to come to pass and you would jar them in their theology that they might know you better in the power of your resurrection that more of you might fill them and more of you through them might fill the earth that you might populate heaven as they plunder hell and set the captives free in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you one more thing. When you read the Bible and you're hungry for God, it's the most exciting book in the absolute world to read. When you're not hungry for God, it's the most boring book. So when you open the scriptures, if it's boring, ask God to give you a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. When you actually begin to apply the principles in the scripture, the teachings in the scripture, the commands in the scripture, go into all the world, preach the gospel, these signs will follow them that believe those that are believe and are baptized will be saved. Those that believe not will be separated from God for eternity. And I always like to say, you know, the most three and most important things about eternity is the same three most important things about real estate business. Location, location, location. You want to be in the non-smoking section for eternity. And if you've ever had an encounter with hell or if you've ever seen heaven, you want more people to get into that position that comes through that re relationship that comes through repentance and where they the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, uh, Romans 2, 4. And when the goodness of God leads you to repentance, not the judgment, not the pointing of the finger, not you're going to hell, but God wants you in heaven. And we do preach 
heaven pretty, hell hot, but we want to make it real so that people make a right and a righteous decision and they are with us in eternity. They're with him in eternity and their names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. So this guy would astral project into my cell and I would be awakened in the middle of the night and, and so uh, as he would come in, I'd be on the edge of the bed. Oh, I, I've been waiting for you. I said, um, you know, are you ready to hear about Jesus now? And he would look and his spirit man would go back out of his body. And, and so a lot of prisoners really are gifted at astral projection because they have a lot of time on their hands. They'll read books and they'll get into that. And I'm not going to go into the, 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 the deep things of Satan, but these are very real things. So um, plus, you know, you got a lot of weird activity that's occurred in prison for, you know, decades and, you know kind of some influential spirits, but dreams and visions are a big deal and it often comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It becomes when God in his desire to visit you in his language of the night of dreams and visions, and he does it because you're not on Facebook, you're not texting, you're not driving, you're not dealing with the vicissitudes and the challenges of life. And when you're knocked out, he'll begin to speak. When you start to become still and know that he's God, he'll speak to you during the day. But a lot of times, he can't get a word in edgewise because we're like, and a lot of times our uh, conversation with God is one directional. We go into prayer with God and we tell him all of our problems, what we need. And then we're like, you know, okay, I'm done, you know, fix it. Instead of waiting upon the Lord and making it a dialogue, two-way communication, because God will speak. One of the ways is in dreams and visions of the night. And so in Acts chapter 2, he says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then I will speak to you in dreams and visions. And here's the beauty about it. Dreams and visions don't just come to believers. They come to non-believers. But the non-believers won't have the interpretation. God will do a divine setup. He'll give them the FedEx and you'll get the Kinkos. He'll give them the peanut butter, you'll have the jelly. He'll give them the, the lock and he'll give you the combination that unlocks it. And so a non-believer can't interpret effectively a dream and vision from God because Genesis 40 verse 8 says, don't all interpretations belong to God. So you have to be in relationship with the Lord to get his interpretation, but God will give you an interpretation when you're a believer for a non-believer that God visited in dreams and visions who he also couldn't speak to during the day. And you give them a dream or a vision of the night. I had many people come to me in prison that were unsaved and they would have a dream and they would describe the dream to me and they'd say, I just know I'm supposed to come to you about this dream. And they would, you know, be a, as non-believer, I mean, it lost his last year's Easter egg, right? And they would come to me and I'd be like, well, that's right in the Bible. And I would open it up and I would, they'd never read that passage and they had a dream and they, the presence of God would roll into the cell and God saves so many people or reaches so many people through dreams and visions of the night as deep sleep falls on men and women as they slumber in their beds then he opens their ears and seals their instructions to turn man from wrongdoing to preserve his soul from going down the pit or perishing by the sword god does it often times with man so god it's not a matter of whether he does speak or he is speaking it's whether or not we are listening so put pen and paper by your bed and wait and he will show up in dream or vision and go to a friend who is a spirit-filled believer and ask them, do you have an interpretation of this dream? And very often as they share it, the anointing for interpretation will come and you'll have the interpretation and the application for that combination lock to unlock the treasure chest mm -hmm. or the wisdom or the victory or whatever. I remember one day I was uh, in prison and I had a dream. I was having a health issue. And in prison, sometimes you don't have the best food. We like to say in prison and the chow hall, the food that they have, there's no such thing as an out-of-date food item. Some items are just fresher than others, right? <laughs> we saw one thing, you know, pelican food, and it was the fish we had. It actually tasted pretty good, but um, it was better than some of the rainbow ham that we had, which was multicolored and, you know, some other things. Your, your tax dollars hard at work. And so, uh, so uh, I had a dream, and in a dream, I was eating nails of iron for five days. And as I would take a nail of iron and I would put it in my mouth and I would chew on it, it was almost like a vitamin because it would dissolve in my mouth and I would chew it. And each day in the dream, and it was just like, I just suddenly knew it was like five days. And by day five, I was strong. 
And so I woke up and I thought, what meanest this nails of iron that I'm eating? You know, I would never eat a nail. And as all of a sudden I said, Lord, what does this mean? He said, you're low on iron. <laughs> and so I sought out foods that were high in iron. I found out at that facility, the foods were low in iron. And so I bought some food, uh, you know, I, I sought food that was, you know, stronger in iron. I ate those and by day five, I was completely restored. So God will give you a word of wisdom in a dream, something wise to do that you would not know in the natural. This is the power of dreams. God will speak to a non-believer. He spoke to Pharaoh in the Old Testament in dreams. The dream was doubled unto Pharaoh. He saw fat calves and he saw, you know, lean cows, you know, and then he saw, you know, uh, crops that were corn, which were very, very healthy. And then he saw right behind it crops that were very lean and the, 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 the skinny cows ate up the fat cows and the, 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 the skinny corn ate up the thick, heavy corn, healthy corn. And he woke up and Pharaoh didn't know what the dream meant. And here's Joseph, the dreamer, locked in prison from age 17 to 30 between Potiphar's house and the prison house. You know, here he's about to go to the palace. What does God use? A dreamer of vision and an interpreter in a pagan nation where Joseph, who would not have shaved, would not, he would have been, you know, a Hebrew in that culture and in the Hellenistic or the Egyptian type style, they would have been clean shaved, this and that. And so it would have been repugnant for Pharaoh to see Joseph. So they made him shave before he went and presented himself. And Pharaoh, none of his uh, magicians or enchanters could interpret the dream. Why? Because don't all interpretations belong to God. And if you're not in relationship, you don't have the combination for the lock. So instead, God caused Pharaoh, after God spent 13 years preparing prideful Joseph and to humble Joseph so he could raise him up as second in command over all of Egypt and save two nations on the seven-year famine and feast that was coming. So bottom line was this. Joseph said, don't all interpretations belong to God. He gave God the glory. And then God gave him the interpretation. He says, you're about to have seven years of feast and seven years of famine, so you need to store up grain. And so Pharaoh said, well, who should I you know, appoint over this? He says, you need to appoint a wise person and this and that. And he, Pharaoh says, well, you're the wise one. So he went from the prison house to the palace as prime minister instantly through dreams and visions and interpretation. This is the power of having the ability from the Lord to interpret dreams and visions, not for your own gain or glory, but rather to bring people into the Lord's presence and relationship and that he might save a nation through a, a prophetic word of not just what's coming, but what to do in response to what is coming. Is that helpful at all? Okay, seven different reasons that God speaks to us in dreams and visions. Number one is to warn us. God preserved the life of a baby, of baby Jesus by speaking to Joseph and Mary in a dream of the night. So Matthew 2, 12 says, and being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So God spoke to Joseph and Mary, the mother of Jesus, to protect Jesus by going a different direction because Herod killed all the children two years and younger because he didn't want to have anybody compete for his throne as king. Number two, to direct us. God provided direction to Joseph and Mary through a second dream after they obeyed the first dream. You want to know when God begins to speak to you more? When you obey what he said last time, Amen. he'll speak to you a second time. And somebody says, well, God never speaks to me. I'm like, well, he had to. What, did, what was the last thing he spoke to you? And, I, and they'll tell me, well, yeah, he did tell me to do this. I'll say, well, did you do it? Well, not really. And they're like, I just want a fresh word from the Lord. I'm like, well, maybe you ought to go do the first word. Amen or out? Hallelujah, heretic. Okay. Okay, so Jonah got a dream. Right? He was actually had a word from the Lord, go preach unto Nineveh. Jonah didn't go to Nineveh. He ends up in the belly of a big fish. He gets spit out on the beach. You know what God said to him the second time? Go preach unto Nineveh. So if we obey the Lord, we can avoid the fish. I didn't obey God, and I avoided I didn't avoid the fish. I was in the belly of the beast, Leavenworth Penitentiary. You know, that was a 20-year delay on the journey, but God used it in response to my mother's prayer. So, so the first one is to warn us. 
And by the way, I got warned in a dream right before I got arrested. I had a stolen jet, a Mercedes Benz, a bag of cash. I'm at a private airfield in Florida in Boca Raton, mouth of the rat. And there I am arrested with a, a brown and white plane with a dent in the wing. It's 9.05 in the morning. I'm supposed to be there at six in the morning to get my blue and white plane that's being delivered to me. And it was a reverse sting operation. Long story short, everything came to pass just down to the jot and tittle, even down to the, uh, the, the female magistrate judge with dark hair, black robe, black anodized aluminum, tag Hoyer watch on her wrist, the agent with orange hair and, and, and mud on his boots and everything. And I even shared this with would soon be my co-defendant. And we decided, you know, we tried to cancel the deal a couple times and then it just didn't work out. So we said, eh, you know, what's in a dream? Wish I'd have obeyed that dream could have saved me a 20 piece, right? Backside of the mountain for a little way. So pay attention to your dreams because God will warn you in a dream and a vision of the night. He will direct you, number two. God provided direction to Joseph and Mary through a second dream after they obeyed the first. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Angels will appear to you in a dream. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. We, we're Christians. We ain't afraid of nothing. Sometimes God will tell you to flee because this is not the season you'll have the anointing of the sons of Issachar to know the times and the seasons of what you ought to do. I used to get dreams on how to invest in the stock market. True story. And I was actually making money in prison with stock market because I'd get it in dreams. And then I decided, the guy down the hall from me, oh yeah, I bought people Christmas presents and everything from behind bar. It was a small amount of money. And uh, actually, what, I'll tell you what it was. I was investing in XM radio and Sirius satellite radio and so xm would go up and you know so, and and i would see the elevator riding up and i would see what it would go to and i call the person on the street get out at this and they're like oh the value line says this and you know all the stockbrokers say this i don't care what they say get me out i saw it in a dream you know so i had prophetic investing experience from behind bars and they would never obey the timing of the lord and it would drop. It would like cost me money. So finally, you know, I said, listen, you're an intercessor. I've got the prophetic gift. You see things to pray in God's will. I see them what is his will. And you, so the prophet and the intercessor work together, right? And really most prophets are intercessors. But long story short, made some money, you know, blessed people from behind bars, you know, from prophetic investing. And then I made a mistake because I listened to the guy down the hall. And he had value line and he had, you know, an insight of what was going to happen. And they were going to change this in the stock market. We we're going to make things quicker. And, you know, it was like, it was like at $4 and it was going to go to 40. So I took my money out of the one thing and I put it in the other because there was no reason it could ever fail because it was at the bottom. Anyway, I got stuck in that deal. Turns out, you know, they decided to do something. They lobbied and even though it was a better technology, the powers that be, decided they were gonna block that because it was a competitor. Now they do have that technology, it's pretty regular. But uh, I got stuck in that and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I made a mistake. And the Lord warned me three times in a dream. In the dream, I'm driving in a, a neighborhood and I've got a vehicle I'm driving in and the brakes are out. And I'm looking and there's no brake fluid. And it's, you know, brake lights comes on and I'm like, you know, trying to, you know, gear down and slow and I'm pushing the brake, you know, the emergency brake, and I'm stopping and pulling off to the side of the road. No, nobody was hurt, but there was something that I had a problem with. I couldn't stop myself at that maturity level after coming off that high of winning, 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 and having these prophetic dreams and prophetic investing. I got advice from somebody in the natural that was as solid as it comes, except it wasn't solid because the Lord knew something I didn't. And the information I had that was prophetic investing didn't make sense in the natural, but it turned out to be accurate. And so, long story short, I end up getting stuck in that thing for like a year. All my money's like stuck in there. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, give it to me. And I'm like, okay. And he's basically saying, just sow it all into a ministry because now you've got seed in the ground. So there was a miracle ministry at the time. It was winning a lot of souls to Christ. And so they were winning souls by the hundreds of thousands. So. I told the person, I said, take all my money out. Oh, it's supposed to go back up. I said, if what's in my hand is too small to be my harvest, it can't be anything but my seed. And I'm not going to eat that seed. I'm not going to sit on the seed. I'm going to plant the seed into the kingdom of God. And I'm going to pick a soul winning ministry. 
And so I actually picked two soul winning ministries that were winning souls by the hundreds of thousands. And I sowed into those ministries that seed. The next week, God spoke to a woman that was friends with my family and her husband had gone on to be with the Lord. And she says, what am I supposed to do now that my husband is gone, God? And the Lord spoke to her. I want you to send my servant David X amount of dollars a month until he's released from prison. And I began to prosper in prison and I would get these. And she didn't obey like right away. And so I got like three months checks at once. And I'm like, oh my God. So then I started buying slaves out of Sudan and, you know, started doing Christian locker stuff. So I was prospering in prison by obeying the Lord's leading. And look, this wasn't drug money. This wasn't drug dealers giving me money. It wasn't insider trading. It was the education in the school of the spirit with the Lord. And I remember going one day, I, I remember seeing a minister on TV and they were buying these slaves out of Sudan and they had like, you know, pictures, very legitimate ministry. And they would send a minister over with like 60,000 in cash and they would go buy the slaves out of Sudan that had been captured by the, the Muslim tribes and they would chain them together. And, you know, sadly, sometimes they would cut off their arms so they couldn't run. And so they would, I mean, it's very, very gruesome and it just is what it is. But this is, this is reality of world. You know, that's just how it happens. You know, 168,000 people were martyred for Jesus last year alone. And that's just an average number. So you can be murdered for your faith, martyred for your faith. You know, uh, it's a very real thing. And, you know, hopefully it's not coming to a neighborhood near you. That's why you need the Holy Ghost so you can stand against it. Anyway, so I remember going down because I'm like sending money to ministries and, you know, I'm sewing and sewing, having fun. And uh, I also use the money to like get correspondence course. I paid for correspondence courses, bolstered my education, eventually graduated with a bachelor's in theology, uh, four year degree. So I'm, I'm licensed to marry and bury, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, people ask me, well, what's your educational background? I've got a paralegal background. I've got some college. I got a, you know, international business and, you know, I got a four year degree in theology and I'm licensed to marry and bury, but you know, I got a BA and a BHG. I'm born again. And I'm a long-legged devil chaser, you know, and so that's, that's really the thing. You got to have the Holy Ghost in power because otherwise you got theology, but it really comes in relationship with neology, with your knees on the ground before the Lord. And that's where you get filled with the power and go out and do the stuff. And so I'm down and uh, the Lord speaks to me in a dream to go uh, buy, buy a slave out of Sudan. So I go to the, uh, the, the, the case manager's office. Hey, I want to send some money to this ministry. Ah, you know, wait in line. So I'm waiting in line like 45 minutes. I finally get in. Here's your thing, you know, fill it out. So I fill it out and I have a vision when I fill it out. And in the vision, I see two slaves together, two men, and they unshackle the one. And he's like, you know, I don't want to leave you behind. He goes, no, go. At least one of us got, got free. And I was heartbroken. And I heard the Lord say, double your gift. And here I am in prison in another country and I've got enough money to buy slaves out of Sudan in another country and I'm a prisoner. Ooh. And I said, hey, uh, uh, could I get another you know, thing I'd like to change? No, you get one, this and that. So I, you know, I was like, Lord, I'm trying here. I said, make a way. And I made a mistake on like the zip code. I said, oh, I made a mistake on the zip code. Hey, there's another one. Do it. So then I doubled it. So I gave it to him and I saw another vision and I saw them unlock both and they both got to go free. And I walked out of there. I got to free slaves in Sudan from behind bars in America. And I was like, oh my God, the joy. But these are visions. These are being led by the spirit. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God, the mature sons. You know, there's a word for, for children of God. It's technon. And so there's a word for sonship. It's weos. You know, technon. I'm a little technon, short and stout, right? Weos. So God wants us to grow from lambs to sheep. He wants us to grow from children to sons and daughters of God that are mature. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the mature sons and daughters of God. And it comes from being able to hear his voice. It comes from learning how to interpret dreams and visions and obeying what the Lord says. So the second way that God speaks is direct us. The first way is to warn us. Warn us, number one. Direct us, number two. 
And what happened is, uh, uh, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him, Matthew 2.13. Number three, to give us confirmation or peace. Sometimes you don't know what you're supposed to do, and God will give you a dream, and you'll have peace. And you'll wake up, and you'll just know that you know that you know. And it may not be what you want to do, but at least you're resolved because you know you're in the will of God. And there's no safer place to be than in the will of God. And if you're born again, you're in the will of God. The good news is he's got a triune will. He's got the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Be not conformed to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind that you might know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will. I like to call it the good, the better, and the best. The 30, the 60, the 100-fold harvest. I like to call it the bronze, the silver, and the gold. Hey, they're all metals, they're all harvests, and they're all in the triune will. But how many would rather have the 100-fold harvest or the gold medal than the bronze? So we want to live in the spirit and we'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you're in the Lord, you're in his will. But why don't we move from the good will to the better will, to the best will, the 30, the 60, the 100-fold harvest, from Egypt to the wilderness to Canaan land, from milk in the outer courts and strong meat in the holy of holies and hamburgers and fries in between. Okay, so we grow from grace to grace and faith to faith. Okay, so God gives us confirmation and peace. And one of the ways he grows us is through dreams and visions of the night. I'll never forget the time that I had a dream and, you know, the accuser of the brethren is the devil. The devil has cast down the accuser of the brethren. And the devil had to be accusing me because in the dream I saw me doing something that was, you know, just not wise and it was immature and, you know, that just wasn't me. And I woke up. And I rebuked the devil, don't try to accuse me. And so I went to a friend of mine and shared with him and he just kind of looked at me, he goes, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, the accuser of the brother. And he goes, well, I wasn't the accuser of the brother. I was God revealing to you your real character. I'm like, I act like that? He said, you really want to know the truth? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah. And I said, he goes, everybody can see it but you. And I'm like, whoa. So it wasn't the devil accusing me, it was the Lord revealing in his mercy, he showed me a film clip of how I really was acting at that level of maturity in the Lord. And it's okay because God meets us right where we're at. He doesn't judge us. He's like a GPS. When was the last time you were in your GPS? You made a wrong turn. You missed a turn. And the GPS said to you, stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> no, the GPS simply says this. Re recalculating, <laughs> Recal when, when available, make a U-turn. When at the next safe location, make a U-turn. And that's how the Holy Spirit is. Missed an exit, recalculating, make a U-turn, repent about face. He's merciful. So he'll show you your own frailties and mistakes and character in a dream so you don't have to be corrected by somebody, guilt, shame, or condemnation. Instead, you can self-correct in the school of the Spirit with the Lord in the valley of vision. Isn't that fun? What a great way to have a relationship with the Lord. So the number three thing is to give confirmation and peace. God gave Joseph confirmation and peace to take Mary as his wife when he discovered she was pregnant. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had, to mind, he had mind, in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give his, the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joshua means Savior, Jesus means savior and jesus saves us from our sins matthew 1 18 through 21 that's the niv version so god spoke to joseph that his wife is pregnant you're supposed to take her home that which is conceived in her is by the holy spirit now that's a tall glass you have to drink by faith <laughs> 
And it was confirmed in Scripture because Emmanuel, God with us, a virgin shall give birth, Isaiah chapter 7. So it's important you know the Scriptures so you can properly interpret dreams and visions. So there's biblical manifestations that line up with Scripture. There's anti-biblical manifestations that are against Scripture, so we reject them wholeheartedly. And then there's extra-biblical manifestations that aren't in Scripture, but they're not violative as a prohibition in Scripture. Those you have to test by their fruit. Does that make sense? Okay, so the number four thing, to correct us, rebuke us. God corrected King Abimelech, rebuking him in a dream at night for taking Abraham's wife Sarah as one of his concubines. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you've taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? So here's a non-believer, a wicked king who takes Abraham's wife as a concubine. Of course, Abraham said, well, she's my sister because he was afraid he's going to get killed. And she's like, well, he's my brother, which was kind of true, kind of half because, you know, the cousin thing. And anyway, now Abimelech had not gone near. He said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? He... Uh, did he not say to me, she's my sister, and didn't she also say he's my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clear hands. So here's God visiting a pagan king in a dream, rebuking him and telling him you're as good as dead, that God is attention. Even though Abraham, the father of our faith, didn't have maybe so much faith on this matter. It's not how you begin with God, it's how you continue with God and how you finish with God that makes the difference. Doesn't matter where you're at. Peter denied Christ three times. He cut off a centurion's ear. He walked on water and sank. He rebuked the Lord. Yet he's the one preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost because he repented. And then when they did crucify him, secondary citations of authority indicate, I think in Fox's book of Martyrs, that Peter, when they went to crucify him, he didn't deny Christ. Instead, he said, I'm not worthy to die in the manner of my Lord. So they crucified him upside down. Anyway, so they got that in. Anyway, so, uh, okay. Anyways, I've done this with a clear conscience and God said, and that's where we get the peace sign is the upside down. Anyway, that's another conversation. Okay, forget about it. God said to him in the dream, you know, when you're in prison for 20 years, you know, all this stuff that are like, you know, scrabble dictionary stuff from the Bible. Sometimes people aren't really interested in it. Sometimes they are. Problem is, being a teacher, you end up serving up crock pots of meat that nobody ordered sometimes. So, got to stay. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So, God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, Abimelech, and so I've kept you from sinning against me. So, God will rebuke a sinner who actually has a clear conscience who's trying to do the right thing in the ability that he has with his knowledge. God meets you at your point of understanding of him, and he raises you up. Do you remember Doubting Thomas? I won't believe unless I put my fingers in his hands and I put my finger in his side and be able to put it. What did Jesus say? Yeah, he's out of the That's no faith for him. He's done. Kick him to the curb. He's hell. Go to hell. No. Jesus is like he shows up. Thomas, it is me. Come. Put your fingers in my palm prints and in the side. He's, oh my Lord and my God. Do you know how, you know how Doubting Thomas died? In Madras, India preaching Jesus as the one true God amidst 300 million gods. And they, they, they martyred him for his faith. So he ended preaching Jesus as the one, oh my Lord and my God. That encounter with the Lord in response to his weak faith, God raised him up in his faith that he finished strong. It doesn't matter where you're at today. God wants to raise you up so that you finish strong. And you know, we don't like muster up faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. When you see him walking on the water and he bids you to come, you suddenly have faith to go out and do it. There's always that trepidation. Should I, should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? But the minute you step out, that faith rises. And then you just can't imagine it not. Okay, so now return the man's wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you will live. Wow, God intervenes, saves Abraham's wife, saves Abraham from getting killed, rebukes King Abimelech in a dream has him return his wife back to Abraham. God calls him a prophet and he says, have him pray for you that you might live so I don't kill you. This is powerful the way God sets things up in divine appointments and dreams. And here's what happens. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all your, I'm wiping out the whole town. Well, guess what? 
Abimelech agreed. He gave Sarah back to Abraham. And then Abraham prayed for him. And then Abimelech gave him stuff. He prospered him. And Abraham left the situation with money bags. That's pretty incredible. Do you know God will bless you through your enemies? And he'll speak to him through dreams and visions? I know of a man who has, you know, sizable ministry today, very anointed man of God. And there was a guy who used to watch him on TV, hated him, absolutely hated him. Wealthy businessman. He was a Christian, but, you know, he just didn't understand the gifts of the spirit and, you know, was drinking too much haterade or something. I don't know, had a religious spirit. And so he hated this guy and an angel appears at the foot of his bed. This guy didn't even believe in angelic visitations, this and that. And an angel has a flashing sword, not a flashing, he's got a sword and he points the sword at the man and he says, you are commanded to give so-and-so a certain amount of money. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's an astonishing amount. And he says, if not, you will die of a sickness. And the man like freaks out because he's wide awake and he's an educated guy and he can't, doesn't know what folder to put this in and he doesn't like this minister, but he wants to live kind of like King Abimelech. And so he calls the ministry and says, I'd like to talk with so-and-so. Well, you know, we, he's not available. You know, I could leave a message. Well, you tell him I want to give him X amount of money for the ministry. I want to make a donation. And it was a pretty sizable amount. And he says, well, okay, let me see if I can get a hold of him and call you back. So the guy calls him up and he calls the businessman. He says, listen, I had a dream. I'm not a dream. An angel appeared with a sword and told me if I didn't give you X amount of dollars, he says, I would die of a sickness. And he says, I don't even like you. He goes, but I want to live. And the minister's like, wow. He goes, that's a tough situation. He goes, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. He goes, you know, I, I guess I'll accept the donation. He goes, we'll use it for this or that. He goes, I don't care what you use it for. <laughs> and so the guy made this sizable donation, and the guy ended up living. Eventually, they later became friends because the guy changed his theological position because once you sow into somebody, you have a different perspective on them. And here's what's interesting. Never judge a person's harvest unless you understand what seed they sowed to get it. Wow, so and so. Never judge another person's harvest unless you know what seed they sowed to get the harvest that they have. Oh, they got a plane, they got this, that. You don't know what they sowed. And you don't know why they have a plane or they need a plane. You just don't know. They live in this house or that. You don't know what they paid the price of. So, don't get jealous. Jealous is a murdering spirit. Cain slew Abel. And he was his brother. Might I say, if you're not your brother's keeper, you might be your brother's killer if you're not careful. Okay, so number five, the other reason, called intercession. So number four, just for your notes, is uh, to correct or rebuke us. And I've been rebuked in a dream or two. And thank God I got rebuked because it changed my behavior. And so... Uh, it's better to get rebuked in a dream from the Lord than it is to get rebuked, you know, publicly before the congregation. Yeah. But if you don't respond to rebuke in the dream, trust me, the next round is coming because God loves you so much. He's willing to correct you. It says that he scourges every son that pleases him. Otherwise, and this is King James, you're bastards, right? But he That's wants right. to be your father. Right. And a father corrects those whom he loves. Okay. Call us to intercession. God used the prophet Amos to intercede for the tribe of Jacob and his wrath against them diminished. This was accomplished in a series of three visions given to Amos. God will often give you visions back to back to back. And guess what happened? Every time he got a vision, twice God showed Amos what he was about to do against Jacob or Israel. Amos interceded saying, Oh Lord God, please forgive your people. Don't send them this plague. If you turn against Israel, what hope is there for Israel is so small? Amos 7, 2 and verse 5. Both times God heard Amos' intercession in Israel's behalf, so the Lord relented and did not fulfill the vision. I won't do it, Amos 7, 3 and 6. Do you think I like to see the wicked die? Asked the Lord, of course not. I only want him to turn from his wicked ways, Ezekiel 18, 23. This is a living uh, Bible, different translation. Uh, normally I'm King James, New King James Version, but it, it really highlights it. But because God wants to save his people, he often reveals impending judgment through dreams and visions, not because he wants it to come to pass, but he wants somebody to intercede so that it doesn't come to pass. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked repent. Like right now, we're in a political situation. If you guys had dreams about certain political leaders, you know, 
falling out of planes and dying and getting assassinated, you'd probably be thinking, it's about time. Judgment has come. Judgment has come. Glory to God, you know. But he might give it to you because he wants you to intercede because he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked repent. Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee of Pharisees, is out murdering Christians, thinking he's doing God a service. And Stephen is getting stoned to death while Paul is holding their clothing and they're pelting him with rocks and chunks of his head are breaking open and blood splattering back. That's the real picture of stoning, just so you know. And they cover you in stones after they pelt you and they knock you out, this and that. And the whole crowd watches while it happens. It's an ugly situation, right? I'm sorry, the Bible in living color on Wednesday nights, virtualchurchmedia.com. I'm David Arabedian, and I approve this message. Okay, so, so anyway, um, so what happened is Stephen's getting stoned to death, but the glory of God is on him. And I've known of people that are getting stoned or martyred or whatever, and the glory's on them. They're smiling like an angel because they don't feel any of it because they're going home to be with the Lord and the glory is on them. And non-believers can't figure it out. What is it? They have no fear. We're killing them. They're not, they're not re, re, renouncing Jesus. They're not, they're having joy in the midst of this. And guess what? It's a sign to the non-believer of something that they really are seeking. And so what happens is Stephen is getting stoned to death and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And they get angrier and they gnash their teeth and they're throwing more stones. And he says, Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. Wow. So Stephen's getting martyred and says a prayer. Jesus is like, Dad, check that out. Look how much of me is in him. That's what I said on the cross. You know, <laughs> forgive them for they know not what they do. He's full of me. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Let me go down there and meet Saul on the road to Damascus next week. He's going to go out there and try to kill more by my, my, my boys. So let me go meet him on the road to Damascus. I'm just going to palm heal him in the chin, knock him off his high horse of pride on the road to Damascus, blind him by the light. Let me strike him blind. Dad's like, yeah, go ahead. Go on down there. We'll have him write two-thirds of the New Testament. Let's bring Stephen on up, give him his martyr's crown. Let's put him in the Beverly Hills of Heaven. I like that. He's really done it really good. That's my interpretation. Okay. Anyway, so, so, so anyway... The next week, Jesus shows up on the road to Damascus. There's two other people. Bam! Saul gets knocked off his high horse of pride on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light. And he's like, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Jesus is in a resurrected state, but he showed up in response to Stephen's prayers. Stephen exhaled here, inhaled there on streets of gold. Jesus is like, I'm going to exhale there. I'm coming down there. And there's Saul on the road to Damascus. What must I do? Ananias, in a vision, the Lord speaks to him. Go to Saul on a road, street called straight, lay hands on him, then I might receive his sight. Saul is on a three-day fast. Ananias is like, don't you know who that guy is? He's the political leader that's killing everybody. Yeah, I know, Stephen prayed for him. Go over there, lay hands on him. That guy's tracking me down. Well, you go track him down. He's on a street called Straight. I got him off a of crooked street to a street called Straight because I got the iniquity out of him. He's been on a three-day fast. Go lay hands on him in a vision. You see how powerful dreams and visions are in being led by the Spirit? How exciting. So he goes over there. He lays hands on him. They might receive a sight. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Apostle Paul... Ananias says to him, well, he'll see what great things he must suffer and be persecuted for my name's sake. So the worse you do, often the more tumultuous your ride is with Jesus once you do get born again. Because as much of a knucklehead as you were, God will send you to knuckleheads. And you'll have to ride out the storm. Anyway, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets his sight back. And Saul immediately starts preaching. Then he's three years in uh, Damascus in the wilderness and he gets raised up he gets a revelation he writes two-thirds of the new testament in response to stephen's prayer lord do not hold this sin to their charge what if we had the heart of the father to pray for our political leaders right now that they might have a road to damascus experience and god would set them free from their 
Damascus friends, you know, on the road. And, and so, Lord, we just pray all our political leaders that are against you, you would meet them on the road to Damascus. Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge, but visit them and change them that Jesus might receive the just recompense of the horrible price he paid on Calvary's tree for you and for me. Amen and amen. Okay, so when we intercede for others, it will often diminish and thwart the judgment of people's sins. God also gives us advance warning of Satan's plan so we can counterattack through prayers of intercession. 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we are not unaware of the enemy's devices. God gives them to us in advance so that we can pray against them so that they don't prevail through other people. Number six, to prophesy to others. I didn't say prophesy. I said prophesy. When Joanna and I were dating, there was a, a, a prophetess who had an interest in me and I had an interest in Joanna. And so um, she had contacted me. It's a true story. Contacted me and texted I had two dreams I need to share with you. And the Lord says, do not call her back. It's a lie. It's witchcraft. It's manipulate. Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft, which is some of the worst. And uh, <laughs> manipulation, intimidation, and domination. And so what I didn't know is God had revealed the plan of the enemy to my girlfriend slash soon-to-be fiance that would then become my wife. And so the enemy was trying to derail me through another Christian who had an agenda that was not the Lord's agenda. And so I later found out that my wife was working out at the gym, temple maintenance, right? And temple maintenance. <laughs> temple maintenance, right? She's doing <laughs> temple maintenance. And so, so, uh, so she's doing temple maintenance, and all of a sudden she sees this spirit, and she hears the conversation, and that this woman is like putting witchcraft curses on Joanna, and she sees a vision of her in the hospital with a sickness, dying, and that woman's there, oh, we're so sorry this happened. Well, it was witchcraft. Anyway, jealousy is a murdering spirit. So the Lord says to her, I want you to flip that spirit on its head. So here she is at the gym working out, and she's like, I flip you on your, your head, and I flip you on your head, and what she did, that thing, the woman's face manifested right there in the gym. Ah! And she says, what do I do, Lord? Don't call him. Don't call him. Trust me. So she couldn't call me and warn me. She had to trust in the Lord. But had she not done that, she meant now to flip that spirit on its head. And by the way, it's eight years later. She's still alive and healthy and a pageant winner. And uh, just, just dropped a couple of CDs and music and getting ready to do womenaroyaltyconference.com with a couple hundred women, crowning women. Anyway, so, yeah, and uh, I won't tell you what happened to the other. Okay, so to prophesy to others, God sometimes provides messages for others through the vehicle of dreams and visions. This, in its simplest terms, is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is hearing from God and speaking the message received from God to others. God said to the entire church congregation in the book of Corinthians, for you may all prophesy. The word all in the original Koine Greek language that the Bible is written in means all. All. It means all. That means you. That means me. Okay, you don't want to go too deep in the Greek, but it just means all, right? Okay, it also says in Psalms 119, 175, great shalom peace have those that love the law or the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. In the original Hebrew, the word nothing means nothing. So no thing will offend you. People come to me, they're like, oh, David, so-and-so offended me. I'm like, well, you're a believer, right? Yeah, I'm a believer, and I want to pray about it. I'm like, okay, well, the first thing we need to pray for is the Psalms 119, 175. For great peace, great shalom, have those that love the law of God, the word of God, nothing shall offend them. What's that have to do with this? Well, you're offended, so the first thing we need to deal with is the offense that you have because nothing will offend somebody who loves the law of God. And Jesus is the word made flesh, so if you really love Jesus, let's just go ahead and repent on that. They're like, I don't like this. You're offending me now. I'm like, well, great peace have they love the law and nothing shall offend them. And they're just like, I'm like, how about this? Why don't we pray that if they're in error, God will correct and change them. Amen. Oh, God, pray God. Yeah. I'm like, and then if you maybe are 1% in error, possibly just 1%, I'm not in error at all. Just 1%. You know, if you had a boat and it just had 1% missing, you would sink, wouldn't you? 
Let's just pray that if there's 1% opening from the enemy, that God will correct you and change you to get that hedge sealed up. Because, you know, Ecclesiastes 10.8, King James Version says, he who kicks a hole in a hedge, a serpent will come through and, and, and bite him. I'm not in error. I'm like, well, you already in error about the offense. Well, you got a point. Okay, so let me go and lean in prayer. Lord, and you can, if there's somebody who's offended you right now, just say, Lord, I repent for being offended because nothing will offend me because I love the law of God and I want my shalom peace back. And so I trade a fence that built a fence between us and I build a bridge of the shalom peace of God with heaven. Because when you're right with God vertically, you'll automatically have a desire to get right with people horizontally in relationship. Psalms 119, 175. And so... Lord, if they're in error, correct them and change them. And if we are in error, correct us and change us, but change us all into the image and likeness of the Son of God, we pray. We're going to close out here. So hopefully that was helpful right there because great peace have those that love the law of God for nothing shall offend them. Original Hebrew means nothing. Okay. Which means a whole lot. Okay, so in the book of Joel, after I'll pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters. So God will give you prophetic words, warnings, direction, through dreams and visions. You'll be able to hear the voice of God, the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the wisdom of God, and be able to go share that with others that they might have victory for. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus if we are following. And if people can't hear for themselves, sometimes God sends us to hear for them. And when you share the mind of the father regarding the matter always share the heart of the father which he's not angry god is in a good mood that's right god is, i know that surprises some people but he's not up there throwing lightning bolts that's another guy okay you got the wrong god you know. so so god is in a good mood and he wants to because he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked repent okay number seven to call us to ministry god sometimes uses the vehicle of a dream or a vision to call us uh, an individual into the ministry. Joseph experienced, followed this pattern, Genesis 37, 5 through 9. The prophet Isaiah also experienced his calling by vision, Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. Saul of Tarsus met Jesus on the road to Damascus in an open vision, being knocked to the ground and blinded for three days, Acts 9, 1 through 9. God then spoke to Ananias in a vision, confirming Saul's call to ministry with direction to lay hands on Saul that he might be healed and filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts 9, 9 through 19. Jesus called Nathanael to the ministry after having received a vision from the Father, confirming the same, see John 1, 46 through 49. And Jesus himself experienced an open vision of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. New Revised Standard Version. In this matter, Jesus' call to ministry was confirmed before the people. God may call you in a similar matter today, the 21st century, for I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Matthew, Malachi 3, 6, and also Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What's been before shall be again. Ecclesiastes 1, 9. All these things were written aforetime beforehand, so that through the scriptures, we might have patience and hope. God does speak now one way, now another, though man may not perceive or recognize it's God speaking in a dream, in a vision of the night when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber on their bed. Then he opens their ears, seals their instructions to turn man from wrongdoing, to preserve his soul from perishing by the sword or going down to the pit. God does this with everyone. Put a pen and paper by your bed, even if you're a non-believer, because God's coming to visit you, and then he'll send you to go ask a believer, because Genesis 40, verse 8, don't all interpretations belong to God. And if you're in proximity with him, he'll give you interpretation, application, and the revelation necessary so that you can have victory in your walk in this life as he always leads you in triumphal procession in Jesus. So let's just pray. Lord, we ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us like was in the book of Acts. We thank you that we are closer to the end days today than we were 2,000 years ago when the Spirit of God was poured out in the book of Acts. We need you just as much, if not more today, 
as we needed, that people needed you then because of the things that are taking place globally. We pray that you would show up, show out. Give us the ability to hear your voice. Tune our ears that we might hear your voice, that still small voice, that audible voice, the internal audible voice, a dream, a vision, a perceiving in the middle of the night, a song that wakes us up, and that you might tune us when we're knocked out asleep, not distracted by the cares of this world. We thank you for visiting us and drawing us in for interpretation as you visit us with your language of dreams and visions of the night that we might begin to hear your voice. Open your word that you might speak to us through the written word that we might know you in an intimate way and bring you from the secret place to the marketplace where people don't know you need you as well. And those in agreement said, Amen and amen. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. And there's a Queen's Wave. There we go. Virtualchurchmedia.com. If you've never uh, partnered with our ministry, we encourage you to do so. And uh, we thank you in advance. Uh, whatever you sow into has a release of something from. If you like this ministry, sow into it, and God will release something in. If you don't want dreams and visions, do not sow here <laughs> because they're coming. If you don't like signs and wonders, do not sow here. If you do, sow in, and whatever you partner with, you get a part of it, just the way it works. And we also want to say happy birthday to our brother Paul, not Paul that was Saul of Tarsus, but another one. And Paul, happy 60th birthday. We love you. God bless you. And we will see you next week. You and your lovely wife enjoying dinner. God bless you. See you next week. Bye-bye.